Hi guys, welcome to Chew On This, your go-to podcast for thought-provoking discussions. So guys, thanks for joining us for today's episode, where we'll be talking to our special guest. You have myself, Will. Uh, we've got Vinny in the house. Hello. Uh, we've also got H. Hi, guys. And we've got today's guest, Dr. Stanley. Hello. Wicked. Um, so yeah, so Stan, tell us a little about yourself. Um, hello, I'm Dr. Stan. I am a general practitioner and also a urgent care physician. So I work in the primary care sector with a bit of acute medicine in the um, urgent care setting. Um, well, we could take it from the, the start. So, so, so how, long, how long have you been... Um... So, yeah, I'll give a brief history. Um, I've been a GP, so a general practitioner, for about three years. I've actually been a doctor for 10 years. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know if you're aware of the system here, but um, uh, you do two years as a junior doctor. So they're called foundation year one, foundation year two, and then um, you become a um, senior health officer. In that time, you choose which specialty you would like to go into. I, okay. uh, yeah, I was a bit of a generalist. I like a bit of everything, jack of all trades. So I decided to do general practice, and my that course well, it's about four years. And also in that time, so I actually became a fully fledged, full um, general practitioner in two thousand and sixteen. And is that is that is that four years? Um, I'm guessing it's predominantly. Uh, practical is there any exams involved or is it is it oh yes so we are constantly being assessed um okay um it's is there are exams but it's at the end of the at the end of the four years there's a practical exam on oski so it's uh, observed clinical um examinations um is assimilations of consultations that i would have on, on a daily basis um and also there are practical um the written papers as well multiple choice questions yeah and we're constantly being having appraisals and being validated throughout the whole year anyway we have mentors and um, education supervisors um yeah so at the end of the four years to gain the full registration you have to have passed the observed clinical examinations and the written examinations as well which i have and if we take it back further, so um, obviously that's f- six years in medical school with a optional um, bachelor of science degree. Um, yeah, a, a optional ba- uh, bachelor of science degrees in human sciences anatomy. So before, so this was a, this was the specialty because contrary to belief, general practice is a specialty. Okay. So if, if, if I just briefly um, speak about the medical um, paths that you can go after your foundation years. So you can go into surgery. Okay. You can go into, you can go into medicine. So um, medicine, rheumatology, dermatology, and so forth. You can go into general practice, or you can, or you can go into um, clinical governance. So admin or research, etc. I chose the path of the general practitioner. However, I, so that deals with chronic diseases, so, so your diabetes, your high blood pressure, and so forth. Also, I do a, a bit of urgent care. 
So um, that's acute. So I deal with injuries, so uh, acute fracture management, wound closure, etc. So I just want to get have a bit of both. So chronic and acute. Is urgent care the same as like A and E? Yeah, it, yeah. Urgent care centre is there is is an A and E. See it as a um, A and E minor. So do you, and so okay now so now you're a uh, I guess fully qualified. Um, are you still being assessed, or is that is that now stopped and it's just basically your? Well, we are constantly being having appraisals every single year, so because we have to be accountable. Okay. Um, and we have to be up to date as well. So okay. we are. It's not more. It's not assessed as in the examinations, but it's more of checking up and making sure that you're keeping up to date and your practice is um, optimum and it's best fitting with the um, clinical guidelines of duties of a doctor. Okay. And um, you're usually assigned an appraiser every yeah. year. Yeah. And after five years, you have a revalidation. So they look at your uh, five appraisals and it, it works as a point system. So with, every, so with all your clinical exposures, anything that you've learned during the year, if you've gone on courses, if you've done any audits, if you've done any, um, any sabbatical years, uh, aboard, but it, that all comes together. You have an appraisal. You go through your learning. Even if, even if you've had complaints, you have to put that in. If you've had okay. compliments, you have to put that in. Any feedback from your colleagues, um, all of this goes in, into the pot, and it's viewed by your appraiser. They look at it and then um, they sign you off for the year. And this is an ongoing process, so it doesn't matter how junior or senior you are. That continues. Every, every single doctor has to have this. And it's not just a general practitioner or um, accident, accident, accident and emergency doctor. It's a, a surgeons. Every single doctor has to be appraised. So these assessments that you go through on an annual basis, is it, is it a criteria for pass or fail? Or how does, it, how does it work? Do you not become a doctor then if you don't pass this assessment? Or... Is no, 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 you are, you are a doctor. So this is, I don't know if, let me explain it properly. So you go through medical school. Yeah. Some people five, six years, depending on um, what they're doing, if they want to do an extra degree to, because it's competitive to get into London. Um, one, after the five or six years, you are a doctor. So you have uh, that degree. That's No one's taking that away from you. You are a doctor. And then you do your two years of, junior doctor so you you're on the wards now and you do your two years of, as a junior doctor so you know the, the marches and so forth that's for two years um f foundation year one and foundation year two after that you go into your specialty and your specialty is where you have different paths so i chose obviously the, the, the gp path okay every, and every so we are in that area where every so we're talking about the specialty area the specialty area though there's unless you go into example just use consultancy where it will be um, not consultancy, um, sorry um, surgical surgery there'll be seven years depending on what specialty in surgery you want to go into okay before, before you become a consultant four years before you can become a consultant GP and and, and so forth yeah. in those years um, you are having exams and you're being so assessed yeah, you're being assessed. Okay. So if you fail the exams, then you will not become a consultant. You'll have to. Got you. Yeah, yeah. You just have probably you can you can move us you can move across another specialty. They give you obviously certain attempts, but you can move across a, a different specialty, but you can't progress further in that specialty. Okay. I understand. But I'm I've gone past the specialty now. 
So I'm, you can say, a consultant in that sense, okay? Okay, okay. Um, so as a consultant, there's no more exams. It's just about bettering yourself, keeping up to date. So there is no exams to take away your, um, your membership. Your title? No, yeah, because okay. we're, we're all part of the general medical um, council. So okay. you have to be part of that. Um, and once, you've, once you qualify as a doctor, you're, uh, you're part of that. And then you need to be registered to either surgery or medicine, et cetera. So once you've done that, then so forth. So, the, sorry, so to answer your question to that um, about failing, so these appraisals, it's not, it's to help you in a sense. Okay. So if it, it's to highlight any areas of weakness and, okay. and, it's to, and it's to better you. It's not a, a matter of failing or passing. It's a matter of identifying a doctor's needs. Okay, and it's working to improve that. I, I'm working to improve that, yeah. So then question. Um, so I know in the past, uh, in the recent past, there's been a, there was a lot of, uh, obviously, discussions around doctors, junior doctors and strikes and, uh, uh, you know, and all, all that stuff happening. So in terms of when you, when you, what you just described from a junior doctor perspective, what we, when we're talking about junior doctors, we're talking technically about people who are still not fully there in their profession yet. They're still on that journey, essentially. Yeah. Or is it? Well, and, yeah. and um, sorry. It, it seems like there, there was, I want to say, thousands of them. Um, but is it the case that a lot of, you, a lot of people in, the, in, in that, this kind of space stay static for long periods of time? Or? Okay, yeah. There are more junior doctors than they are senior doctors. Let me explain that. The first two years, is of the junior years, but you're considered a junior because if you think of a hierarchy, you're considered a junior until you reach um, consultancy. So the definition of junior doctor can be anything from the first foundation year to when you're registrar. Oh, okay. So all of that, yeah, years. those years and the, those grades are all seen as junior yeah. doctors. So that's so that's okay. why you would have seen thousands, thousands marching. Uh, okay. You really come out the junior bracket when you're consultant or you're really, really senior registrar. Registrar is level yeah. just before doctor, um, before consultant. Okay, is that the highest? Is it like the police where you have uh, you go up to like sergeant, lieutenant, whatever it is? Is there is that consultant the last? Oh, the consultant's where you yeah, that's where you want to be, and then obviously there's professors and and okay head of departments. But consultancy in medicine is the it's the boss, the CEO. You've got it's where you it's where the natural progression goes. So just going back to the assessments, um, I imagine a lot of those would have to be uh, during appointments with patients. Is there a lot of pushback from patients not wanting to be? No. Uh, no, the, the assessments uh, doesn't happen in clinical times. You. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so, no, sorry. So how, how are, we talking that? About, are we talking about assessments or the appraisals? Sorry. Are we not? Well, either way. So you're talking about from a junior from a junior doctor oh, perspective. Are you talking about, are you talking about when you when you when you're doing your training? Junior, yeah. Oh, so for, yeah. when you're doing your training, for, for, um, yeah. So the assessments is not in it's it's an OSCE, so it's observed clinical skills. It can't be during um, it's simulated, so it won't be during um, clinical time. And, okay. the, and, and the written examinations, just like how you have written examinations, it won't be during time. There'll be set times um, where you have the exams. But if you're talking about the appraisals, which is slightly different, and this is um, after you've become, especially who you want to become, and you're having appraisals, that needs to happen in your spare time. Everyone's assigned an appraiser. Uh, I can be an appraiser myself, and that's something that I will be doing in, 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 in the next few years. Just you need a bit of training for that. But yeah. everyone's, everyone's assigned an appraiser that they see for, um, 
on a yearly basis. They is your onus to organise an appraisal date with them. And it could be formal, informal, it could be in your clinic, it could be in your home, it could be in a restaurant. It really, um, as long as they have internet access and a laptop, they can go through it with you there. So it's just, obviously you you will like it. You can make it really um, informal or formal as you like. Great. That's a a good insight into... Yeah, see the appraisal as more of a colleague um, interaction as opposed to examiner and an examinee. Right. Oh, great. So to, to expand it a little bit more now, tell us, tell us what's happening or what your, um, what your typical day in either in your surgery or in the hospital, what, what, that, what that looks like and what that entails. Okay, so firstly, I, I, will, I will talk about my general practice capacity. So um, I do four sessions. So my sessions, that's an AM, AM PM, AM, AM session can last up to three hours purely seeing patients and the PM same same amount and then there's um, time in between to do paperwork so the AM session probably see about um, anywhere from up to 17 to 20 patients 10 minute appointments back to back is that sufficient time yes and no it really depends on what the patient is coming with this is why we have one problem per consultant yeah because because it's not fair to come in with you wouldn't go to you wouldn't go to a dentist and 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 expect him to deal with all five fillings in one sitting. In one time, yeah, yeah. So the, the, you only several sittings, and this is what this is what I tell my patients as well. Anyway, um, so one problem, so I can give you the maximum amount of attention on that. Mm-hmm. And if you do have another problem, so if they come in with two problems or three problems, I will I'll tell them I encourage them to, to share them all. But I'll tell them at the beginning that okay, I can't deal with all your problems. Probably, and I will prioritize which one needs to be dealt with so if someone someone comes in with chest pain someone comes in with a toe infection um i'm obviously going to deal with the chest pain first so i'll park the um nail infection for the time being and concentrate solely on the on the chest infection so if you do if you take it like that then you can 10 minutes 10 minutes is enough for one complaint okay, and, if yeah. it's, and if it's too complex you can always um book again or tell them that you can follow this up so yeah. in, in, a, in a sense it is mm. But it's often, it's often, it's often um, I guess, said or, or believed that the, in terms of um, obviously GP appointments, it's very hard to get one, you know, within a relatively, uh, you know, suitable period of time. So in the context of, you say that, and the time frame of 10 minutes, is there a relationship between those two drivers or is it simply an increased use of the service over the many years? Yeah, it's, it's just the, it's the high demand, really. Um, it's multifactorial that this problem. Um, if, so you, if you take an average um, GP practice that has a population size of 7,000, um, if they are well-staffed, so they have, say, two free partners and a few salaried doctors and, and a few locums that come in, then there'll be more appointments, of course. But um, general practice is not seen as a desirable location, to be honest. And a lot of GPs are not actually they're just doing locum work, for example. They're not going for GP. So we don't, so there okay. isn't there isn't so there is a increase in demand and there isn't that many doctors. Okay. Is that the reason why they say, you know, if you can't make your appointment text in, yeah, you're yeah. not wasting any time because that's it's, yeah. That's one issue. Second issue is paperwork, the demand. Okay. People coming in for referrals, 
um, they want um, you know the the medical legal insurances to be filled out. It has to be done in clinical time. So if you assign if you're assigning a doctor to do that three four hours because there is a lot of paperwork. There isn't a secret admin team in the back that's doing all this. The doctor is doing it. So who's doing that? So we have to do a lot of paperwork. So that's three hours gone on paperwork where that could be potentially three hours of appointments. Just out of curiosity, couldn't you get a secret admin team? We have, there there are secretaries that will write our letters. But if if we're referring, if I'm referring to a um, a specialty, then I have to produce the letter. Okay. You can do it via dictaphone and then the secretary can listen to the dictaphone and um, And type it it in that sense. On average, you could be doing probably about anything from up to eight, seven referrals. And not just that, there's communication. So if you've seen your doctor in a secondary care, um, they will write to us, we need to read it, we need to action it. So they can say, oh, can GP please put this patient on this medication? Can you order a chest X-ray or a check X-ray for um, the limb that we've just fixed? Um, Can you refer them to physiotherapy? They, we have to action these things. So it just piles on and piles on. And then there's blood tests. All the blood tests that we've um, organised for the patients that we've seen, we need to see them, interpret them and act upon them. Um, there's home visits as well. So they're very vulnerable that cannot uh, make it to the practice. So we, there needs to be time and a capacity to see them in the community. Um, and this is all within a day's work? Yes. Sometimes we get calls from the London ambulance when they've been called to see a patient um, and, um, and they need GP just to um, follow up because they don't, it's, it's when the patient is not really um, suitable for transfer to, a, to A&E, but they can be managed at home. So we will need to see them. Yeah. The list goes on and then sometimes you need to go and certify this all of a sudden. So you need to go there and... Um, confirm and certify that, that there is a uh, death and then you need to go back and do the death certificate then you need to do the, crem- the yeah. cremation forms then you need to go and view the dead body in the, in, in the morgue i can go on and on and on but there is <laughs> this sounds like a lot yeah it sounds and, and thank you for that insight because and i'm sure everyone will appreciate this but i never had this insight into what doctors oh no no yeah doctors go through it's I thought it was yeah, just, sounds yeah, I think you just walk in, they they no 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 they write the illegible writing on the on the card and just walk back out. But I oh, know it's 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 it's, it's, <laughs> much, it's it's much more than that. And then also you have to make sure that your record keeping is compliant with um um the clinical standards as well. Um yeah. yeah. So that yeah, it's it's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. This is why it's becoming it's not really favorable anymore. It's there's suicides, there's a stress. This was gonna be my next question. Like yeah, how does one cope? What's, what's the coping mechanism for, for a doctor? Okay. Because you mentioned, you, you alluded to the fact that there's not many GPs anymore. So that was going to be my follow-up question as to why there isn't, but I think that kind of explains it. Oh, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the workload. It's the workload, really. It's not many. It's, and the workload, v, um, paid, but it's just, it's more workload more than anything. Stress levels that you have to deal with every single day. I, that was, I gave you s- some of the um, daily tasks that we need to do. I mean, it's not just the workload, it's dealing with it's patients as well. Obviously, they can take a toll on you. If you imagine that you're speaking to 30 patients every single day and, they, and they're all offloading their problems into, onto you, onto you, onto you, onto you, onto you, onto you, it, it can take its toll on you as well as, everything, yeah. as well as the work itself. So it's not seen as, some people don't see it as rewarding anymore. Is there an 
is there any um so in terms of everything you're saying then what what is what is there from because i mean you're obviously you're now the you know doctor you're G, you're the gp right so if everyone's coming to you with i've got a problem who do you go to when you've got a problem yeah so firstly this is why it's got to be a part of a team um you can go to your colleagues and you could act, there's always clinical there's clinical meetings every single week you can go to your appraiser so the the other clinician that you see yearly there are there are bodies out there for doctors that are struggling especially with stress and they give you a they give you free cbt so cognitive behavioral therapy um sessions there's loads there's forums there's um the british medical council there is help out there just, um there's lots of facebook groups as well that you're encouraged to be a part of as well h anything would you say there's an issue with people so you spoke about people not attending their appointments but those that do attend their appointments and don't necessarily need to be oh, there oh uh, is that an okay issue yeah that you guys if i was to often? My, in my experience give you a percentage of consultations that didn't need to be on that day it'll probably be daily about 65 to 70. wow, wow. a lot i think it's, it's education if we educate the population then we will have effective consultations um, and it will filter out all the people that don't need to be there and it can be managed at home minor ailments as well we're trying to set up an initiative with the um we're trying to use other allied health um, clinicians so you know pharmacists so as opposed to going to your doctor for coughs and codes after one uh, after one day you can go to the your pharmacist your local, your local um, chemist pharmacist assess you very briefly because they're not medically trained like that but they can assess you briefly and um just prescribe you some just just a cough syrup and so forth but the reason why that probably won't work because they are i call them shoppers basically but i like to spend their money so they want to get a prescription and um yeah so is it fair to say that there's a particular well, it's a typical type demographic typical, that typical um, yeah there's a typical type of patient that you know that um as opposed to going to the shop to buy um paracetamol for 30p or 40p um they don't want to spend that and so they come in to see their doctor for a prescription and yeah and uh, yeah. yeah i was gonna say so given, given given that would you say obviously i think one of the the ongoing challenges with you know nhs is resourcing yeah. um you know funding etc do you feel that there is areas where more efficiency can be kind of driven in so example paracetamol is like 30p yeah. is, is there any value in putting that on the subscription is there no is there not a sense to say let's you know these items which are obviously readily available makes more sense to get them over the counter oh yes you know we to... this is what we advocate every single day over the counter medication in in practice it doesn't work if i can i can give you a typical consultation um somebody that's come in with a cough for one whole week that hasn't tried anything and they want antibiotics and they don't need antibiotics you'll tell them to try over-the-counter medication. That consultation becomes very tense. It goes yeah. over the 10 minutes and it goes over that 10 minutes. It's going, if it goes over that 10 minutes, it's going on into somebody else's 10 minutes. It's going on and on yeah. and on and on and on. Patient to the point where some GPs will give in. It does kind of change the relationship that you have with the patient, but you can't, you can't yeah. always give in. Um, yeah. You always, always encourage try over-the-counter medication first. And on that note, with antibiotics as well, people coming in for antibiotics, they don't need antibiotics. That's another, that's another 
incentive that we try to reduce the amount of um, antibiotics that we're prescribing in society, not only for cost, but for antibiotic, um, antibiotic sensitivity. If you're taking it, taking it, taking it, you don't need it. When you do need it, it's not going to work. This is what we try to explain to people, that our viruses do not get better with antibiotics. That is, is a bacteria infection that need antibiotics. So that's, that's the keyhole messages. And then there's leaflets everywhere. And if you were to actually go to your pharmacy and some GP practices, you will see the minor ailments. If you, they tell you what to do. So go to your pharmacy if you have A, B, C, D, E. If it's gone on for three weeks or four weeks, if you have green phlegm, high fever, or, and so forth, then go to your doctor. Yeah. And um, occasionally, I mentioned the clinical meetings that we have um, at relative times during the week. We have a pharmacist meetings. Uh, where pharmacists, so pharmacy meetings where pharmacists will come in and look at our spend, look at our spending, and what how much we're spending on this medication, and ha- our prescribing behavior, and and if they feel okay, okay, okay we are prescribing too much of this and why and so forth, and we just basically change the way mm. that we do that. And then there's lo- okay. and then there's local meetings, so where different practices will get together and um, <laughs> talk, talk, talk about the, um, the the behavior of different practices in different areas in that sense but yeah yeah so yeah that's how we kind of try to be cost effective and so there's more i'll just be very briefly with this point as well with every medication you might patients might find that they're on a tablet and they've been on the tablet for two three four five years it's working it's working it's working it's working it's working and then on their repeat prescription they get another tablet and they're wondering why has it been changed it's the same ingredient but it's by its different brand yeah oh, different manufacturer yeah because okay. and that's how that's cost wise it's cheaper yeah so yeah yeah it's more like paracetamol you can get say the paracetamol morrison's brand or you can get the say the mark Spencer's one and mark Spencer's obviously the mark Spencer's brand will be more probably expensive so repeat that h no i was just saying people can be quite precious about branding and of course having what they've always had and it, i've seen that Turn into oh yeah, an of course, of course. Times, you have to reassure them that it's the same ingredients. Um, no preservatives have been put in it. I I usually negotiate and say, okay, just tr- try this for one month, okay. And if if it's not if it hasn't dealt with the, the problem, then by all means we might just uh, make an exception and just put you on a previous one. But if it if you've noticed no change and just and I and I'm honest, honesty is I have to say it's the NHS is cutbacks and um, we're trying to cut costs here. And they usually they usually are happy with that. Um, so, question: Obviously, we are in um, unprecedented times. Um, the latest, obviously, the biggest topic is uh, coronavirus. Um, have you had to be on the front line of that? Have you? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, I've spoke about my general practice um, background, but I do urgent care center. I actually do more urgent care center than I do general practice. An urgent care center anybody walks through the door and you have to see them okay yeah. so i have been in contact um with potential covid19 patients remember the first week of lockdown there was no policies this is new to us i've never worked in in this type of pandemic um so we were actually making up policies as we were going on during the day um there was a li- there was limited ppe so we just had to make do what we had but obviously, we are a public service and we have to care for the population. So we can't turn patients away because we're, we're a national health service as we're not a COVID health service. So there's, there's yeah. still other conditions that we need to deal with. 
so not every so we have to appreciate that not every single patient is walking into the practice um, the practice or the center with covid so this is what this so that's that was our rationale of thinking we still need to treat every patient the same way but then we have to protect ourselves and our colleagues um so literally designing policies based on the limited evidence that we had so what symptoms that the patients are, are seeing in covid and if they're seen in COVID, then there'll be a hot area. So an area where we put them, if they, we feel they're the high risk, we'll put them in the hot area. And then the cold area will, will be full of all the patients that are low risk. So we, so we, can't, we are separating them to not, not only, obviously, we want to keep everyone safe. And in that hot area, you have to be gowned up fully. So not everybody was wearing the PPE. So the limited resources we had went to the people that were going in the, into the hot area. If that, yeah, if that makes any sense. Um, but yes, that's since changed with the um, increase in availability of PPE and the government tricking down more information and more, um, more, more policies. And So is PPE, is, PPE uh, is, that, is that still a problem or is that, is that um, obviously it's improved? Yeah. Is it still a problem or is it? Is it... Yeah, it, it's a problem. But okay, you probably see PPE as completely gowning up and face masks and, go- and, and goggles and head tyings and, and so forth. But studies have shown that all, depending on what setting you're in, yeah. apron, eye covering, and, and, a, um, and, and a face mask. You don't really need to even wear gloves, obviously, hand hiding, wash your hands. However, if you are in a hot area you are def- and you are dealing with um, suspected COVID patients, high-risk patients, then you should gown up. Um, an appropriate gown, gowning should be available. And that's where the problem is. Because um, in any, the equipment is available, but an um, urgent care centre is kind of in between. So they're suffering in that sense. So Stan, if I may, if I may ask, I mean you've described PPE and and designated areas and stuff, but as you, as a doctor on the ground, what's your what are you what's the reality that you're seeing out there? What what is it? I'm not going to lie, and just be honest with you, um, we are we are all we all scared, we're all worried because this is unprecedented. It's not something that I, I've come across before. Usually with all um, conditions that come into the fold, they'll be testing. I'm, I'm concerned that we haven't been tested and, um, yeah. So what's the situation with that? Is it, is it not um, available for NHS staff to be it tested is now? I thought that was... only when you have symptoms. Only when you have yeah. symptoms yeah. is when you're tested. Yeah, and if you have symptoms, well, it's been proven that you've been in contact with a COVID patient. So that could be if someone's tested positive and you are the doctor looking after them and so forth and two days so two days before or you think you've been exposed to them two days before, then yeah, they yeah. then they can offer you testing in that sense. But yeah, it's that's as far as I'm aware. Even though we already know that a lot of people don't it's display that, symptoms. Yeah. yeah. That's worrying. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 What I was gonna ask is is um if you're not yeah. displaying symptoms, what's the value in the test? So if I took a test now because it's available and I, I, I'm not yeah. showing symptoms, it comes yeah. back clear. Unless you test me every day, the window of testing that, is... That's the rationale. You just said, said it now. So if I'm, not, if I'm not displaying any symptoms now today and, and you do a swab and it's negative, um, I'll go to work tomorrow and I could be exposed. Yeah, it's, it's, if you have symptoms and it's negative, it's like, you, okay, it's fine you know you don't have COVID because you have symptoms anyway. Um, yeah. 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 However, there is hopefully a blood test, um, antibody blood test that 
I think it's still in its, um, in its infancy um, stage. But that's that's really good because it looks at to see if you're immune to it. So if you've mounted the, the the immune response to it, so you could have had COVID five weeks ago, it will tell you that you've had COVID five weeks ago because you have it. It's just yeah, it's just like having um, you know a Mantus, you know, no TB test. You've all you've been vaccinated for TB. You know what I'm thinking all of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So we can yeah. we can be tested for that and hepatitis B. We can be tested for that and that that's the same rationale with yeah. the COVID testing, the blood test. Because the swab test, it, it doesn't tell you. It will tell you you don't have. You're not. You don't have COVID. For my, for my understanding, it, yeah, you haven't you had have COVID it. in the past. It says you're tested negative for COVID now. So now you're not. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. present tense. So you're not going. So we can do mass testing in that. No, don't get me wrong. That is still a really valuable test because if you imagine, if you imagine every single person, let's just make it smaller in London. Yeah, every single person at the same time had a swab test. And then say 30, 30, 35% of them came back as positive. That 35%, you can literally quarantine them and just put them in a bubble basically for seven, 14 yeah. days. And then they're not, yeah. there's no, they're not, they're not going to infect the other um, 65. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Un- unless the other 65, a percentage of them starts, you've isolated them and they start showing symptoms a few days after you've tested the first 35 of it. That's what I was going to ask. So the incubation period is how long? Incubation, Two weeks? No, no, no. The incubation period is um, seven days, okay? So if you have, from the very first day you have the symptoms, this is why we say to isolate for seven days. Yeah. And everybody in your household has to isolate for 14 days from the first day oh, okay. that you have the symptoms. Does that yeah, make sense? yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, this, yeah. so they, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I don't need to explain it. But yeah, so that's, that's the rationale for... Um, the isolation period policy again that's vague because there's some people that fall outside that window after two weeks the symptoms have come mm. well this is this is why i think i just feel like um the conversation around testing it's almost like a it's like a safety blanket everyone has this feeling that oh, if you test everyone then it will be safe and i feel like they're missing the whole point it, the testing tells you it gives you a set of information but it doesn't it's not protecting you from the actual virus itself that's what other other things are going to do, right? The testing, testing and tracing. So that they're yeah. coming. That, that's what that's what we're doing it for. Testing and tracing. Testing and tracing can definitely um, keep the numbers. Keep that. R it lets you manage. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. It can definitely lets you manage and contain it. It can, it can definitely contain the virus. Yeah. Um, by um, tracing and um, tra- testing and tracing, by all means. But ultimately, we need a vaccination. We know that. But when the vaccination comes, that's when there'll be herd immunity. So in a nutshell, is we need a vaccination, but, but however, testing will go a long way. It will keep, I don't um, you know, Boris Johnson was talking about the, you know, the um, reproductive rate, the R. Yeah. It'll keep it, it'll keep it less than one. Um, that's all, that, that's all part of it in, in a sense. So yeah, it is needed. Without it, really, it's not just, you can't justify, um, you can't justify stopping social distancing without testing and tracing. Yeah. And that's in my opinion, because you always have to, participate in um, social distancing and wearing a mask if we don't have any um, testing and tracing it won't it won't end it can this can go this can go into next year and so forth if we don't have mass testing well yeah and it's it's surprising that we don't and surprised as front lines who haven't been tested at one point i have never been tested and i'm pretty sure that at one point i, I probably did have covid but i don't know um but 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 that, but that test will be irrelevant right because it, it won't show that you've had it 
it won't show that ahead now. It'll be, yeah. it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be negative now. But the, if the blood test, however, I was, I, I was uh, yeah. leading to, that will show if I'm if I have immunity to it. So and that test, okay. yeah, it's, they haven't rolled it out yet. I think they're doing it in a few universities, and uh, but that hasn't come out yet. So you're saying the logical step would have been all frontline stuff to be tested, right? If I if I got what you're saying correctly. Oh yeah, yeah. well, if, if anything to put us at ease, any um, firstly. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I have I have a family at home, and yeah. um, if I was tested and I was positive, then I would have um, definitely self isolated from my family. Yeah. Um, because I'm being exposed to potential um, COVID. So this is what COVID this is what this yeah, COVID patients on a daily basis. So this is what this is what leads to all the anxiety. Uh, we don't know our status, yeah. and not everybody um, has symptoms. So there should so so there should be mass tests. So in terms of mass testing, may, do you think it should be more than hundreds, hundreds of thousands in a day? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just just what randomly or symptoms or just what's the what's the pattern? Hundreds of thousands mass testing no symptoms everybody just like mass testing if, it, if it's possible everyone, there's a drive through and everybody goes and get has okay not, not even the drive through that but see, it's swabs so um swabs being posted to everybody's houses and they all test themselves and then they all fill out i'm just making this up but they, they can all there's an app that we all have or yeah. um a something on on, on the internet or or text machines and services and then we just put in our details and our, you know, our demographics and um, do the tests, stick it on the um, the swabs um, sample, send it off, and with all our details on it. And then that will be, will be processed negative, 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 and all the positive. There's a lot of data that they can get from that if we do hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds of tests. Okay, that, that's 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 this is just my yeah. logic behind yeah. it. Um, so currently, you can only be tested if you have symptoms. Yes. And what, what are those symptoms? Is it is it the original symptoms or is it the updated systems? Is there anything new that we should be looking out for? Okay, yeah. So there's clear the, the clear cut symptoms are a, a new persistent cough with a fever. With a fever. And or fever. Okay. okay. Um, and then there's other ones. There's headaches. There's a uh, loss of um, sensation of taste and smell, anosmia. There's um. Yeah, it's it's very, very it can go on abdominal vomiting and diarrhea now is, is even part of it. So there's okay. there's various of ones. However, no, but you can there you can have testing. I think if you go on the government.org site, um, there is a criteria for testing. If you're, uh, I don't know, I haven't looked at it myself, but there is a criteria if you're looking after the elderly, vulnerable, so you don't yeah. people that are shielding. Yeah, yeah. I could probably I could probably get a test. If, if I'm honest with you, but I think I've, okay. I've passed that now anyway. Okay. But yeah, definitely in, in initially there was no testing for us. But I think the more now, you, if you want to test, you can have a test. The um, it's not that like you come in and it's accessible to you there. It's just you need to go through the the, gen, the same thing with the general public. Mm. Have Have you gone on the um, government site because you, there is an fitness application form where you can actually, um, if you fit the criteria, um, you can pick up a kit and you can go to the place and have have testing if you're worried about it anyway well as a, as a general member of the public or as yeah as a general member of the public um if you if you go on if you go on that website yeah. um um .org and testing and if you fit your criteria yeah. uh, then yes you can actually apply for testing okay okay that's, that's good uh, yeah, to know that's if everyone didn't know about it um just one more thing about um my urgent care center um as you can probably imagine the ambulance service 
are completely um chock a blocked with what, what's yeah. happening now. And the one, I don't know if you've ever used I don't know if you've ever used the one 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 service as well, which they're just um, a telephone triaging system as well. They completely um, overwhelmed uh, overwhelmed with um, the amount of calls. So we we've taken some of that. So some of the calls are redirected to us. So as well as seeing patients, um, yeah, we obviously we're, we're doing phone calls. As, 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 uh, yeah so yeah so this is yeah it was just temporary just to help out in that sense well that's, um, that's crazy yeah yeah so it's, it's yeah it's it's risky it is in the front lines it it's like going to war and and we're not trained yeah i can it. imagine yeah. how how scary that is that's 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 the best way imagine being sent to the front lines with and with a gun in your hand and and you're just facing the, the, the enemy and you're like oh and you're nervous but then and then you're just making it up you're making it up as you go along and, and that's and that's how it feels daily and we, i don't know we are we're maybe i think we're two months in and not and nothing's changed every single every single day i go in <laughs> it's like i say my prayers before you go in yeah <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I say my prayers and hopes i hope i don't bring any i don't hope i don't yeah. bring anything back with me yeah. and and i treat I know you asked, I think H, you asked for the symptoms. Initially, it was, okay, in, on the first day, anyone with fever and, 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 the, and the cough, they're, they're COVID patients. Now, it can literally be anybody that walks into that door. So we have to, yeah. treat, any, we have to treat anybody as a potential COVID patient. Yeah. Because I, I have worked with colleagues that are ventilators now, personally. I worked with them um, three, four days later, they on the ventilator. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, and um, I, it, we, it, it is um, nerve-wracking, um, and I'm not even going to sugarcoat yeah. that. It definitely is, and and it's not oh we need a medal or anything like that. It's, it's, it's scary. It's, it's just a scary, scary experience. Yeah. It's a scary experience for everybody. Everybody working there, of, of course, the doctors, the nurses, the receptionists at point, the cleaners, the pours, everybody that's in that hospital setting because just coughing and sneezing and. It drops on all surfaces, all over the place. And if you don't ask me, this is what this is when I really hand hygiene. Hand hygiene is probably the first thing that you can do. Wash your hands for twenty minutes because it doesn't matter if you walk into a place and it's full of COVID secretions all over. If you if you start and you start touching it, you are not going to get COVID by touching something. And that's what that's a message that. I think the general public needs to know you know you won't get covered by touching something you get by touching something and pulling rubbing your eyes and pulling it inside your mouth so okay. the, the best way to stop that transmission just hands, is yeah. just to wash your hands so yeah so so i could touch something riddled with covid19 that's fine i wanted to do is wash my hands i'm not going to get covid19 it doesn't penetrate through the skin um okay how, how COVID is killing people is through respiratory um, distress, acute respiratory um, syndrome. So it has to go through your respiratory tract. And, you, and so it can go through your um, mucous membranes, which is lying in, in your nose and your eyes. Um, so if you, just, if you touch your eyes, rub your eyes, hence why we have to um, wear um, glasses. glasses because sprinkles can get into your eyes. If it goes um, inside your mouth, um, and it can go into the respiratory tract and cause um, difficulty in breathing and, and you need to be on ventilator. Um, I, it could be on your skin. You just wash your skin. When, my ritual when I get home is I take off uh, by the door. I make sure that my um, children do not come and jump on me. I take off my, take off my clothes and stick it in a, wash, a washing machine. I go upstairs and just have a quick um, wipe down or a bath and then that's it. It's in. Um, that, that's all I can do. 
because if it's obviously if it's in my system and uh, um, kissing and talking to my children, then I've, I've passed it yeah, on. Yeah. Any more questions, H? Mm, no, my no. <laughs> no, then come back, H. <laughs> I, I, as a, as a, as a, just one point before we kind of sign off, I just for the people listening, um, you know, what what kind of interested you to get into medicine? It's for anyone who's listening, who's aspiring to be a doctor. I know you're saying it's on the decline, but others might want to get in. So what what getting into the medical profession yeah. in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, general background. Um, I, I went to a comprehensive pub, um, public school, um, very average. Um, my grades were a point average, but I really liked the science. And I think it was, uh, I don't want to sound cliche, because you can help people as being, being a doctor or not, not being a policeman or being a, even a dustbin man. So it's not, but it was more of really um, wanted to, wanting to use my science knowledge to aid um, in, in helping people. And also um, it was largely driven by uh, values instilled in me by say my faith and my family and just helping people and myself anyway living healthy and happy life and in that sense obviously money as well it's the one time i want a job that pay, <laughs> i want i want a job that pays well but i want but it's more the challenge i just i was thinking of what's the hardest thing that i could do um and um and what's probably the most rewarding job that i can do that and a job that will always be needed yeah and can't be replaced so yeah as a um as a teen, I was actually thinking that something that I could, <laughs> a job that will always be valued in society. And yeah, and yeah so that's really the reason why I picked it. But, and any, uh, again, any, any, I'm not saying anyone can, yeah, I am actually. You, anyone can be a doctor. Yeah. I, wasn't necessar- I wasn't necessarily a standout student. And I, just, I just worked hard. I knuckled, down when I, yeah. I knuckled down when I needed to knuckle down. I didn't go to private school. I didn't get, I didn't have extra tuition or anything like that. Yeah. And I just, when it, when it was time to work, I worked. You just worked. So you, you can achieve it. And I'm just, I'm just going to keep it real. And just, obviously I'm a black man myself. And this is directed towards the black community as well, that it's suffering that is completely achievable in the black community. We need more black doctors. We need, we need, a, we need more of a voice. We need black doctors in every field to help each other out. Um, and just to completely change the narrative of a black of the black man, um, uh, and I'm sure it's not just. Um, in, I don't want to go on and on and on and on, but just, um, <laughs> 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 but it's it's just that literally it doesn't take a prob, uh, a private school it doesn't take private schooling to become a doctor. You can become a doctor yeah. um, even through the public school system um, as long as you work hard. Um, yeah. And you just knock, yeah, you just work hard and you get contacts, yeah. And knuckle down, basically. Yeah, knuckle down, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah we, yeah, we need more. All right. Um, cool. Well, yeah, Dr. Stan. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was, you know, got some real insight into your world. And I'm sure our listeners will appreciate the challenges of being a doctor. Yeah. And I'm sure there are those who will be listening and be inspired hopefully to be doctors for the future um and yeah always always a pleasure to have you on thanks guys it was a pleasure talking to you lot all right guys um yeah so that's all for this episode of chew on this check out our social media details are in the description 
and let us know your thoughts. Um, if you're a doctor or a nurse or someone working on the front line, uh, let us know your opinions. Um, do you have a similar experience to what um, which has been described by Stan? Um, and anyone who's aspiring to be a doctor, um, let us know. Has this put you off? Has this made you want to um, actually get involved, more determined to kind of succeed and go through the ranks? But yeah, until next time, uh, we're out. Peace. Bye. Bye.